This is an utterly predictable, thoroughly manipulative, and thunderously obvious movie. I wouldn't change a frame of it. That's a hilarious review. Rene Rodriguez, the Miami Herald, talking about Cinderella Man, a film that I wanted to revisit. Why? It's the only film for which Paul Giamatti has been nominated for an Academy Award. He's up for supporting actor for that movie way back in 2005. And this is a Giamatti-heavy podcast, if there ever was one. The White Whale I've been trying to chase down. I finally met him at the Critics' Choice Awards. We're going to recap the Critics' Choice Awards with my friend Ben Lyons, to whom I owe such a debt of gratitude. That's coming up momentarily. Also, as far as our new movies are concerned, Origin, the new film from Ava DuVernay starring Angela Ellis-Taylor and John Bernthal is in theaters this Friday. I got the DVD, was able to watch it. It's a terrific film. I encourage it strongly. Society of the Snow, which is currently available on Netflix. That's also our new movie. And the old movie, as I mentioned, is Cinderella Man. Let's start talking CCA, though, with our own special guest. Well, Cinephile has now existed for over 300 episodes, and clearly it could not exist without the platforms with which I've been given, ESPN, Cadence 13, Metalark, et cetera, or the producers who work hard every week, of course, Dan Stancic, Joe Engelbrecht, and now my man, Chris Cody. But if there's one other person who is so indispensable to Cinephile, what it has become, it is our special guest today. He not only got me to the Academy Awards, that's right, we worked the Oscars for the Academy twice, but he also, and this is what we're going to be talking about, got me into the famed BFCA, Broadcast Film Critics Association, which is now known as a CCA, Critics' Choice Association. What that means is I get all these screeners sent to me, all these wonderful gifts sent to me, one of which I re-gifted to David Sampson, the Saltburn screenplay, because I have no interest in that. I gave a bunch of stuff to Scott Regalski to sell in the store, a holdover sweatshirt, a May-December hat, so much other kind of stuff. And it's all thanks to Ben. And the biggest care they give you is an invitation to the Critics' Choice Awards event, which took place this past Sunday. Now, originally not every critic could get in there's a lottery system blah 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 but the good news is we got in and the great news is ben joins us now as we get to reunite this was my second critics choice awards first one in five years when i went with max bredos and we were all over ray seahorn and many other people vigo mortensen mersla ali but ben we were back my man it was so great to see you wow what an intro thank you adnan i appreciate the shout and if uh in the game of life if i have a second bag of pizza it will always be yours <laughs> That is a reference to the fact the food at the CCA, as wonderful an event as it was, <laughs> at one point they said pizza will be coming around. I said, great. And it was literally in a bag, which Paul Giamatti referenced in his winning speech. So not sure about the pizza in a bag, but let's recap it all. So going on my own dime here, right? So it's 560 plus you know, 100 bucks for the aisle seats. Brutal. We're looking at 660. Ben's like, don't worry. I will help save costs. I'll pick you up in the airport. Like, really? That's saving me a $60 Uber. I will take that. You're going to willing to drive to LAX. Like, Dude, I got you. One of the things, Cody, I didn't really appreciate about Ben is Sense of direction is incredible. Now, I know you lived in L.A. 15 years, but Cody can speak to this. He's been in Miami, South Florida his whole life. I'm sure there's areas, Chris, that you don't know. You said, listen, I got to put Google Maps up here. Like, I know my area. I know Broward or Fort Lauderdale, whatever. Like, yeah. I was amazed. Whatever place I would say to Ben, he'd be like, yep, I know where it is. Doesn't touch Google Maps once. So let's start there. Where did you get this incredible sense of direction? There wasn't one place in L.A. Literally, Max Brown is like, we're at this place called Sally's. Ben's like, yep, I know where that is. Boom, 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 boom. Rosillo. By the way, let's start with that, actually. We got to, Ben and I got to hang, went watch the Chiefs game, went and had dinner. Rogowski came, dropped by, cameo. Brett Oss met him for drinks. Rosillo, though, when I texted him, like, hey, Ben and I are going to dinner at this place. His response, not going to be able to make it. Woe just coming over. <laughs> he dropped a Woj bomb on me. It was unbelievable. Well doesn't want to hang out with his old friend, Adnan Virk. Shout out to Salema Masakela, X Games Finest, of course, joining us as well because yeah. he wants to get the scoop on a Pascal Siakam trade. Come on, Rosillo. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? But yeah, it's crazy how many people in my life are amazed by the fact that I know my way around a city where I lived for 15 years. Like, I spent my adult <laughs> life in Los Angeles. 
I lived on the west side, lived central LA, lived out near the Rose Bowl and the Dina. So I know the city well. And, and you know, don't forget, I was, you know, really entrenched in, in watching films at a time before screeners and links went out, really. Like, I would have to drive to right. Disney at Burbank and Warner Brothers over the hill and down to Culver City for Sony. So my formative years in L.A. were spent, you know, driving from studio lot to studio lot, seeing screenings. And, and now here we are uh, all these years later back at the Critics' Choice, which was uh, a really fun kind of welcome back to awards season. You know, there's a great line in Schitt's Creek uh, where they ask Catherine O'Hara, what's your favorite season? And she says, awards. And I have to agree, <laughs> and I have to agree with her. It's great. It's like seeing all your old friends. You get to cheer for the films you love and the performances you love. A few takeaways from the night on my end, and, and we'll get into the uh, the weekend at large. But just your boy Giamatti, the front runner for best actor now in the Oscars, right? You have to be excited for him. So let's start with that. So we we get there Sunday, and I wasn't sure if we get there too early. And Ben, veteran of this event, you know, it starts at four o'clock local. He's like, "No, I'll pick up the hotel room too." And I go, "There's people leaving here at like noon." He's like, "Dude, trust me, I've been here before." This is Cody. Like Cody, some of us had the Packers money line. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> what a hit! Yeah, yeah. Some of us wanted to see what Jordan Love could do down in Dallas, so we can wait for the red carpet at the critics. Yeah, as we were there mingling, my brother texted me because I cannot believe the score. He's a huge Bears fan. And uh, I was like, what? I was like, what? And I, and I click on like, oh my, as if this day couldn't get any better. The Cowboys got their ass kicked. I'm like, Christmas came early. Phenomenal. But as we arrived, Cody, this is the important subplot. Lions battling a bad back. Like, just is like, just brutal. Like, you violent sneeze. So as we're walking up. Challenge flag on the field It was there. caused yes. by a violent sneeze, your bad back? Had a 6.54 tea time up in Mountain Gate Friday morning <laughs> with the boys. Sneezed on the phone heading off the Sepulveda Pass, ended up uh, just caddying for Kevin Connolly in the cart for nine holes. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Hearing him talk I'm about, sorry for hearing him talk about how the Islanders are for real this year. That was my two nice. hours on Friday morning. But with a bad back, I still made it to the Critics' Choice. I love that Connolly's shouting at Matthew Barzell. I love it. But as we're walking <laughs> up, like I never thought like, like Leonard Moulton is there. Like I'm like, oh my God, like Harrison Ford walking the red carpet. Moving a lot faster than I was on that red carpet with that bad back. I'll tell you that much, Cody. That was very humbling heading into the critics the other night. And then we saw Giamatti at the start of the yeah. night and you thought maybe that was going to be your one glimpse of, he's currently your favorite actor right now. I feel like you've been the captain oh, of the Giamatti train since holdovers dropped. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for people that don't know, like I, I've loved his work since the cameos in Donnie Brasco. He's the guy that says to Johnny Depp, what's forget about it, which is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. He's in the Truman Show. I really he really captured my heart with American Splendor because that's one of those movies. You know, Ben, when you love a movie, you can see yourself in that character. and go, That's like me. He's misanthropic. He's misunderstood. He's got all this rage. I go, that, that is just a great. It, it's a beautiful film, as you know, like the, the, the melding of documentary and the meta commentary and the actual Harvey Peacock. That's that's all those movies you and I love. Movie people love is as obviously Sundance lovers. And of course, private parts. I mean, the first time you see private parts, you go, this guy's unbelievable. Like pig vomit. Like he's awesome. So once sideways hits, that becomes his masterpiece. That's he gets known for, et cetera. But I'm like, everything this guy does, I just find interesting. And, and he's always worth the price of admission. Even if the movie's not great, he's always wonderful. So it's amazing to me. He's never been nominated for Best Actor. Of course, famously That's crazy, by the way. You would think so, right? He's been a staple at all these award shows for years. John right. Adams, right? Played John Adams. Right. John Adams, he won the Emmy, won the Golden Globe, won That's the not SAG. The Oscars. Of course, so yeah, right, he, he hasn't gotten nominated for Lead Actor, which is crazy. Right. One nomination for Supporting is Cinderella Man. So we're there and flying in. I was like, right, the, the two, the, the biggest white whales here, Marty and Paul Giamatti. 
And as you said, we get there. We see our buddy Josh Horwitz does a great job on TV. And of course, Happy Sack confused his podcast. And Ben, by the way, Cody, Ben Eagle Eyes, like across the room, he can see who it is. So he's like, you know, boom, Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, where is he? Like, oh, so he goes, there's your guy. Giamatti's walking over. And so the publicist or whoever is with him, it was actually someone with Focus Features, I believe, the film was uh, distributing holdovers. But she kind of gives him a little, and she might have like, hey, pause, you're like, hey, worry. Like, kind of gives a mumble. I'm like, oh, that was it. Like, he was just, I said hi, he mumbled, and that, that, that's the moment. But later on, sure enough, I see him walking. I'm like, okay, this is my moment. So I go over, and this woman's talking to him from Nimona, which is the film on Netflix, animated film. She's got this kind of interesting haircut, shaved on the sides, not quite a mohawk, but interesting look. Let's just say that. And she's gabbing it up. And, and I'm listening to the conversation. And as, as Ben knows, and Chris, you know this, you've been enough of these events. They're always busy. It's not like Robert Denny Jr. is just standing there saying, someone talk to me. There's always somebody with him, either publicist, wife, spouse, whomever, or someone's engaged in the conversation. And it's a real art for him to know when can I intercept this conversation and when can I do so very quickly and succinctly. So I'm listening to the conversation and he's talking about well, I'm just Monday. trying to get I'm just trying to get updates again on the Packers closing this thing out. <laughs> Stafford's return. Do they have anything better than pizza in a bag? Like, I'm not trying to see. Right. Oh, is that guy Gosling's friend or is security? <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's security. No, I'm, that's not my game. <laughs> so I'm listening to the conversation and, and, and Giamatti's saying, oh, I love animation. I want to be an animator. Of course, American Splendor. Oh, Nimona, what's your film? He's copying the woman on like a pin she has. I'm like, okay. Then eventually the woman starts to try to take a selfie and it's so bad. Like she's kind of doing this weird splits thing and it's awkward. Even Giamatti looks a little uncomfortable now and she's calling other people over like, hey, get in the picture, get in the picture. And I go, hey, I'll just take the picture for you. She's all, oh, would you? I'm like, no problem. I'm like, great. I take the picture. Now, of course, one back scratches the other. I go, can you get one with me? I haven't even talked to the guy yet, but I'm like, hold on. I'm like, I put my arm around Giamatti. I go, I got a story for you. He's like, okay. I get the picture. And then I go, all right. I've listened to you on four podcasts now. He's like, uh-huh. I go, Smartless, Marin, Happy Sack, Confused, Josh Horowitz, and whatever the fourth one was. And I said, I watched your 20-minute retrospective on Vanity Fair and The Hot Reporter. Now he's smiling. He's like, so uh -huh. gross. And I go, is this a what? This is Again, this standing in the corner, looking at Jordan Love's line, like nowhere near this <laughs> I can just, insanity like, I that's happening outside of a bathroom. <laughs> go keep going. I'm Wait, sorry, Adnan. What, what is gross Not about gross. this? this, is, this gross is, 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 a, is a strong word. It's just I'm feeling uncomfortable with like where I just you're setting up just to be like you're coming. No, but coming. the setup is great. No, the setup, this, the setup is, is amazing. The setup is critical because if I just go big fan of yours, he's gonna ignore me. Listen, I'm gonna restart this now. I say to him, I've been on five. Listened to four. Cody, if somebody said to me, I've listened to 327 episodes of Cinephile, you already have my attention. I'm like, okay, well, clearly you're a fan. If you just go, I like your work out. I'm like, thanks a lot, buddy. Nice meeting you. He thinks I'm Kevin Nagandi. If somebody starts by saying, I've listened to all four podcasts and I've watched two videos, like he already, I'm already having his attention. I'm like, okay, and I go, but nobody's mentioned the film that I love, that you're amazing, that you want a Golden Globe for, Barney's version. And he goes, yeah, because I have to love Barney's version. Nobody mentions Barney's version. That's a great movie. I'm like, absolutely. You're awesome in it. And I said, the big reason why I love it so much is because I'm Canadian. And in your speech, the golden ones when you won, you go, I thank the great country of Canada and the wonderful people of Montreal. And he goes, he goes I knew you were Canadian because he was the only people that mentioned it to me are Canadians and Italians. And he goes, I think it was an Italian co-production. So that makes sense as well. And I go, you love Montreal. He goes, oh, dude, I love Montreal. It's great. The bagels, the culture. Now the animator tries to get back in the conversation. She was kind of just letting me go. Now she's like, oh, Montreal's too cold. I'm like, no, get out of here. I gave you your two minutes. I took your picture. Like, no, no, you don't need to slam Montreal. Now we're pro-Canada. You, you can't be anti-Canada. Like Isaiah like, Hartenstein on the boards yeah. over here. Just box <laughs> a big rejection. Right. Yeah. Mitchell Robinson, get out of here. So I was like, all right. And then uh, from there we went to, and I said, you know, another great movie is Win Win. He goes, McCarthy, of course, that's another great effing movie. Nobody mentions that. I, I go, I listen, I listen to all these podcasts. I go, that, that I'm telling you, Win Win with Bobby Cannavale and Jeffrey Tamper, so good. I go, and he's like, oh man, I really appreciate that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I go, and then Marin mentioned, he goes, you've never done a baseball movie. I go, he has the Phenom. 
Ethan Hawke is Ethan Hawke is effing great in that movie. I go, you're you. You guys are both good. That movie, I had it like in my top 10 a few years ago. I think it's a great film. You're playing the psychologist. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So essentially, I'm just mentioning all these films of his that don't get nearly enough acclaim. And then I said, now, here's the big thing. All these people keep mentioning Sideways too. And I actually have the best line from Sideways. He's like, yeah. I go, everyone keeps mentioning the Merlot line. I go, the funniest line is when you are in the store and, and you say, can I, get a, can I get a copy of Barely Legal? And he goes to get it. And you go, no, no, the new one. <laughs> Giamatti first laugh because yeah, that is a pretty good one. That's good. I go, and when Hayden Church is in the hospital and you're reading a magazine and it's like a teenage boy, it's like it's like Cosmo for girls, like how to push his buttons. I go, the look in your face when you're reading the magazine, like, mm, and he's like, oh man, he goes, this is hilarious. I, you really, you're really a fan of my work. I was like, yeah, I absolutely. That's what I'm trying to intimate here. And I said, honestly, eight years ago, we were supposed to have you on my podcast. He's like, okay. I, I sent a file and I said that it was right when Billings was coming out. If something happened, everybody, I'd love to have you on. He's like, oh, we'll talk to my publicist. He gives me their names. Uh, he's like, you know, give them a shot because we'll talk Barney's version. We'll have a blast. I'm like, yeah. And then something else I'm forgetting that I said. Cody threw me off with a gross comment. No, but I, see, I Cody, remember. this but is why this something. is what being a cinephile yeah. is all about. It started gross, and then the two of them are going toe for toe on these random yeah. Sundance weird. You didn't mention the yeah. one where he's a falconer. He learned like the oh, art. Oh yeah, yeah. Of that's because when I first met when I first met Ben Cody, I said to him, "Have you ever met Jimani?" And Ben goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I actually interviewed him for a movie called A Hawk Is Dying, where he plays a <laughs> falconer, and he told you all about it." There's actually another film I meant to mention to go back. This is the great white whale of Giamatti. When Ben and I were at Sundance together, there's a movie which is not very good, which thankfully I did not mention him because I couldn't lie to him. But that was the Mo Berg movie. The catcher oh, yeah. was a spy. Paul oh, Rudd right. played yeah. Mo Berg. So Ben and I are waiting in the media line, and it's Giamatti, Paul Rudd, somebody else. And all I heard Giamatti was saying was somebody was talking about New Haven, where he grew up. And he's like, oh, it's cold. It's really cold. And just as they come to the media, Giamatti left. And Ben like breaks out laughing. He's like, from now on, we're going to call this pulling a Giamatti. When it looks at like the guy's going to talk, then he leaves. For the record, Paul Rudd was great. Right away, I go, who's your favorite Royal? He's a Willie Wilson. Like, diehard baseball fan. Loves the Royal. And he knew, knows Ben's so had a good time. But anyways, Giamatti walks away. The woman I thought was with him was the publicist. She was fine. Then I turn around. Jeremy Allen White's there having a smoke. So sorry, right, let me just say hello, Jeremy Allen White. I, I, I got to be honest. I go, I don't watch the Bear, and everyone loves the Bear. The Bear won everything. The Bears won Emmy Awards, Critics Choice Awards, Golden Globes. I said, but I did watch The Iron Claw, and he go, you were fantastic. Like, that is a great wrestling drama, and I said it was very powerful and passionate. He's like, oh, thanks so much, man. And I, I at least had the discretion not to take a picture because he's having the smoke. I'm like, maybe he doesn't want himself, you know, have a picture taking a smoke or whatever. Like, you're in the middle of your cigarette, it's all good. So I go back inside. And I'm like, mission accomplished. We got Giamatti. Now let's see where we're sitting. I'm at table 107. You're at table 86. Our boy Horowitz, table 20, sitting with none other than Christopher Nolan. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll get somebody at my table. I look around, I don't recognize anybody. But the woman next to me is very nice. We just say, hi, how are you? I'm Nora, I'm Adnan, nice to meet you. I'm like, yep. And she goes, I, I must have said seven words. Just like, oh, the night's going okay. So first she goes, are you Canadian? I'm like, how did you know that? She goes, I could tell by your voice, I'm from Ottawa. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I grew up in Kingston. She's like, that's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we start chatting. And we watched half of the show. I, I, and Ben, by the way, his table, I'm like, we don't know, is it Rebecca Romaine's there? Had a blast. Yes, I was the 11th wheel at the Star Trek Strange New Worlds table. Uh, don't know much about Trek. Not really an honorary Trekker. Have been to Comic-Con, uh, but did enjoy getting some time with Rebecca Romaine. Anson Mount, who I used to actually intern for his agents back in the Crossroads days. Uh, I believe he's Captain Kirk on the latest edition. And uh, yeah, Salida uh, Rose Gooding was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So kind of fun when you're at a table where somebody's nominated. And I, and I just put up the Star Trek hands a lot, and they all seem to get a kick out of that. But uh, but yeah, it's such a silly thing because 
like the Golden Globes, everybody wants to chat and run around and network in between commercials. But unlike the Golden Globes, which is like 200 people, it's 2,000 people. So it's just like herding sheep and there's seat fillers and it's TV and film. So you kind of bump into the most random people. The only person, uh, Cody, I had a real kind of Adnan Giamatti moment with was Donald Faison. I wanted to get his thoughts on the trade. Obviously a big OG Ananobi guy, but like myself, speaking of Canada, has a place in his heart always for RJ Barrett. So it was tough for Donald as it was for me. I'm glad that you and Donald had that moment together. And Ben is a big deal, Chris. Don't believe his humility. We would stand there and people would just nod, publicists, agents, people would smile. Everyone knows Ben Lyons. Even though, even with a back, he's ailing. He does stand out in a room where everyone's my height. Like everyone, like Billy Crudup. I'm like, wow, good looking guy. He's my height. Wow, he's like five seven, five eight. Everyone. Ben Ben Bratt stands out. I'm like, wow, he's tall. He's like six one. Who else do we see who has some height on him? The Knicks could sign him to a 10 day. Nick Braun. Nicholas Braun is gigantic. He's he's a big dude. He's a big dude. Strong in the, um, in the low post. So Chelsea Handler, great monologue, and she answers the immoral question, is Marty Scorsese there? Because then she says in her monologue, she mentions May-December, which for those who don't know is about Julianne Moore, who marries a 12-year-old when she was 37. And she goes, you know, people are going to make fun of DiCaprio dating young women, but I go the other way. I love old men. Look how hot Robert De Niro is. Look how hot Harrison Ford is. I know Martin Scorsese is not here. If he was, i toss him like an Italian meatball. So I'm like, well, the joke doesn't matter. The boy is Marty's not here. I'm like, all right, well, there goes that one. But Bob is here. So at some point, we got to have a dinner a moment. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to find that table. But to Ben's point, the commercial break hits. And like, normally, I don't know any of this table. Like, I'm just eating. I'm on my phone. The woman Nora next to me is on her phone. But the mingling is happening. Everyone is getting up and mingling. There's a lot of mingling going on. So I gave it a half hour. I'm like, I'm not going to mingle that much. And I was like, you know what? Let me go mingle. Because my wife's like, you got to take pictures. You need to be aggressive. This is for, for, I go, this is for you. You want celebrity pictures. I don't, I'm with Ben. I go, somebody meets me. It's more important to have a pleasant interaction than a selfie. She goes, no, you're thinking the wrong way. It's a selfie. You're paying on your own dime. You need to next year tell Bimble to expense you. So like, you need to get pictures and go, look, expense me. Pay for my flight. Pay for my hotel. Look at what I did. Look at all this content. I'm getting. I'm delivering content for you. I'm like, okay, fine. You want content? I'll give you content. John Ham's three tables over. I'll go talk to John Ham. I go over to John Ham. I can tell John Ham does not want to be spoken to. But I go, hey, John, just want to say, I just, just want to say, what's up, big sports fan? I know you love, you know, you're, you're in Joe Bucker buddies. I know you love the Cardinals. How about them Blues? I work for NHL Network. He did something with Jamie Hirsch last year, talking about the Blues. I can tell he's not interested, but he's polite. He's not interested, but he, there's a big difference, polite versus friendly. Giamatti was friendly. John Hamm is being polite. He's listening. He's like, mm-hmm. Mm, yes, I do love the Blues. Yep, Craig Janney. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah. And I go, oh, Scott Rogowski says hi. And he does give a, oh, Scott. Okay. I'm like. That's my John Hamm moment. Nice to see you, John. <laughs> then later, my wife's my wife's in love with John Hamm, so I'm like, I have to get a picture with John Hamm. And of course, later on, he's outside the bathroom waiting with his wife. And I go, this is this this now, Cody is right. This is gross because I'm like, I don't want to bother him. He doesn't like me. And I'm like, John, can I get a picture? He's like, yeah, just for Scott Rogowski. He's like, sure, no problem. Picture and the, <laughs> I posted it. If anybody wants to go to my social, of course, Adnan S. Burke, my Instagram or my Twitter, you can see John Hamm's face just kind of like. Mm. I was like, this is like really this is what I have to do, but. He wasn't, he wasn't thrilled to be with me, but everybody else was. And the biggest card I had to play was the fact I'm Canadian. Seth Rogen walking by. Hey, Seth, I'm Canadian. Hey, where are you from? I'm from I'm Vancouver. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Seth, quick picture. I'm like, yeah. And I go, hey, by the way, I love This is the End. That's one of the funniest movies ever. Like, Thanks, man. I go, don't worry. I go, I love Jay Barrister. I goes, don't worry. I'm still friends with him, which is, of course, a shot the fact him and James Franco don't talk anymore. And then he said, Barrister's staying on my couch next week. I go, yeah, he loves the Habs. Okay, cool. That's all it is. It's a 10 second interaction. Keeper Sullivan, fellow Canadian. Yeah, where are you from? Kingston. Okay, girl. Kingston. They make him tough in Kingston. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Ottawa, of course. I'm oh, my dad, a huge Expos fan. This, this is what the essential that is five to seven second interactions. 
This is all it is. If you continue to show up at the Critics Choice and these other events and you carve out a lane of yourself as like the walking snapple cap of IMDb and where in the world is Carmen Sandiego Canadian geography, <laughs> you will be a memorable force in, in Hollywood for years to come. So then I went towards the end of the night. I said, OK, we've enjoyed the night here, but I, I do need to find De Niro. Seriously, I just need I just need seven seconds. It's just going to be my son's name is Shaz. His middle name is De Niro. Bob, I met you seven years ago to ESPN. He's not going to remember. But he's going to smile and nod. and That's it. So I'm wandering and wandering. And I, and I see the poor things table. And I go, OK, hey, Ben's actually tight with Emma Stone. If it, Ben was with me, Emma By Stone. Way, would jump also up the front runner now in the best actress category, I think, after yeah. that uh, the other night, getting that win. Exactly. Sure. Big win over Lily. So. Then I see Rami Yusuf. I go, oh my God, I got to talk to Rami. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I saw Bill Hader first. And I go, I love Bill Hader. I got to talk to Bill Hader. I go, wait, he's talking to Rami. I'm like, I love both these guys. So Bill Hader walks me in. I go, hey, Rami, I'm like, my, my name's Adam. And right away he goes, oh, hey, how are you, man? And you never really know. Like, does he know? But he gave enough of a recognition because I was like, no, I go, we, we've messaged a bunch. Of, no, no, I remember we messaged. Yeah, yeah. I go, I was going to have you on my pod. He's like, yeah, I go, we're the only two Muslims here. So I had to say salam. Like, he laughs, oh, of course. Yeah, no, we, we actually, we, we definitely are. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So he's like, um, I go, I messaged you a bunch, but you know how much I love your show and you know what you've done for Muslims. I mean, that's that's the first ever Muslim show. He's like, no, of course. I really appreciate you saying that. He goes, hit me on IG. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit him on IG. Let's see if this works. Just hit me on IG, dude. I'd love to do it. And I said, I know you're a Jersey guy. I drive by Rutherford every day. I go, hey, there's Rami Yusuf's hometown. And he's like, oh, thank you so much, man. And then I said, I love the fact you wear a Mets cap in, in the season three of Rami. He's like, yeah, I love the Mets. He's a Mets because I'm all with the Mets. I'm all with the Knicks. I'm like, all right, cool. And I said, congrats. I work with Yorgos. I mean, poor things, man. This movie's awesome. Emma's going to win. Like, this is, this is sick. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, listen, it was great meeting you, man. I mentioned Mahershala because he was in Rami season two. Okay, nice, great. And then I walk away. And again, I was like, I text Eamon and she's like, we gotta get a picture. I go, I, do I have to? She's like, you have to get a picture with Rami. You absolutely have to. I go, okay. Commercial break, I go back. He's talking to Sarah Snook from Succession. I wait for the conversation before I go, Rami's like, hey man, I go, I'm really sorry. Can I get a picture? He's like, yep. I, I think I screwed up the selfie the first time. I go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, yeah, take time. Like, this is what the life has now become. I have to get the selfie for the sake of Instagram and my wife. But Rami was awesome. So mission accomplished. <laughs> then best actress come and I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy to get a video of Giamatti when he wins. Because like, this is going to be awesome. And sure enough, Giamatti wins. And fantastic speech. I mean, he gets the award from Oprah. He makes a joke about the In-N-Out Burger. Says, you know, hey, maybe now I can get an endorsement deal. After that last picture went viral by Burger. But on a serious note, he mentions his dad. First speech, he's mentioned his dad. And everyone, you know, when I posted the picture after him, I go, did you talk baseball? I go, no, listen, I've heard him on four podcasts. He doesn't like baseball. He doesn't want to talk about baseball. Scott Feinberg, the Hollywood Reporter, point blank said to him, do you think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame? And GM Audi's like, uh, I'm not going to touch that question. I'm going to go ahead and plead the fifth. Like, are you kidding? My dad banned Pete Rose for life, then suffered a heart attack a week later. I'm not going to discuss this. So point being, I didn't bring up baseball with him. But in his speech, he said, I want to thank my dad, who did not get to see me act as I do for a living. And he would be so proud. And my dad loved good work. He was an academic. He was a teacher, loved good work. So. Dad, we've done some good work. Great speech. Now, to Ben's point, and I want Ben to take the floor here. You said to me, start of the night. You go, Giamatti's going to win. And I'm like, yeah, Craig says, no, dude, he's winning the Oscar. And I'm like, great. Killian Murphy's the favorite. Bradley Cooper's second. DiCaprio's in the race. Coleman Domingo for Rustin. Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. You go, no, Giamatti's going to win. Why are you confident? My, my, my man is going to win an Oscar. It's a culmination of the career. All those great performances you mentioned. Uh, you know, he, he's been a part of some iconic films, and he's a little on back order with the Oscars. Killian Murphy feels like the nomination is the arrival to the next phase of Zelda, the next level of Zelda of your leading man Hollywood career. But Giamatti, it's incredible you mentioned this speech because I too was very moved by it. And having remembered who Bart Giamatti was in that moment with Pete Rose, but beyond that, just his career, you know, leading up to that. Uh, it's incredible to me how many people in Hollywood are not aware that, that 
lineage with Paul Giamatti. And, and it almost is like a sense of discovery now in these moments uh, when, when he's thanking his father. Um, but I, 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 too, feel like it's timing the, the, uh, the, an original movie in an age of remakes and adapted things and superhero films and re, you know, reimaginings. This is a completely original, you know, it's a great collaboration of sorts with him and Alexander Payne, which, you know, has, has, has fruited uh, a lot of great films over the years. So I think it's a culmination as much as it is, uh, you know, the performance in a, in a year that, you know, has a lot of things that on paper would make sense for Oscar, right? Leo's teaming up with Scorsese again. Bradley Cooper in a piece that he's directing, playing a real guy. Like a lot of kind of Oscar Beatty movies and performances to go up against. Uh, but I do feel like, again, the culmination of the career, he's an actor's actor. And the actors are the largest voting body of the Academy Awards. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, I feel like, God, it's so funny, Cody, you texted in the, in the, in the group thing right now. Oh yeah. He's pig vomit from, uh, you know, Howard Stern. <laughs> and my lady is a diehard Howard Stern fan has not missed an episode in 12 years and saw him win the Go golden globe. It was like pig vomit. It was as if like <laughs> her community had won the Oscar. Right. So he, uh, yeah, he's beloved. He's got a great a following, obviously, from uh, from billions now on television. Um, but yeah, an actor's actor who's long overdue. I hope it happens as well. BAFTA probably feels like Killian Murphy, but but hopefully if the SAG Award, if Giamatti wins that, then we're definitely on the train to him winning a Best Actor Academy Award, which would be incredible. Other awards, Oppenheimer wins Picture, which feels like a heavy favorite now. Uh, Nolan wins Director, which feels like that's an absolute lock. You mentioned Actress. I'm pushing hard for Lily Gladstone, and this was a tough night for Killers of the Flower Moon. Completely shut out, as you think their best chance to win is Lily Gladstone, but Emma Stone wins. She's, this will be their second Oscar if she wins it. Along with your personal relationship, obviously you're friends with her. She's a hell of an actress, and she gives a fearless performance in a really original, vibrant movie, right? It's so awesome, Adnan, to see her in that room, like, comfortable. She's on the A-list. It's the eighth time she's been nominated. Producer, actress. Like, she's a beast, but like, I, did, I was on set of Superbad. I was on. I did House Bunny with her. Like she's, she used to be a brick breaker, like all star on on BlackBerry. She was incredible at brick breaker. Like she's a really cool person, and it's awesome to see the good guys win. And I'm happy for her. And I think this is another opportunity for her as a, a best actress to get an Academy Award. And that's no small feat at her. What is she? Thirty five or something like that. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for her. Happy she played the Hollywood game and navigated it. High-profile dating relationships, blockbuster films, right? All that stuff. Has a family now and is making movies that matter and is doing work. She, I saw her on Broadway in, in, in uh, Cabaret. She was terrific. Nice. Like, she's just – and she's awesome. Making great TV. That show with Benny Softie. Like, doing all types of fun stuff. She's got – talk about her level of Zelda – you know what I mean? Like she's now yeah. got all nine pieces of the triangle and she can go on to the next, like she can do whatever now in Hollywood. So I hope she gets another one. And uh, again, very deserving and a fantastic performance. Supporting actress, supporting actress also feel like heavy favorites. Now, Robert Downey Jr. It's his moment. He's going to win. Although I'd love to see Willem Dafoe win for poor things. I'd love to see Ruffalo win for poor things. I'd love to see De Niro win for killers of the flower moon, but I feel like it's going to be Downey who, um, I'll be honest, he's a great actor, and it's a good performance. I thought that third act, he got a little overacting for my own taste. But it looks like he's going to win. Great speeches. He's very charming. He's very funny. Uh, his speech was great when he said, I want to thank the critics. And he mentioned the reviews people slam him on. And supporting actors feels like, again, heavy favorite, Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers, which is a fantastic movie. Barbie but gets a little but bit. Don't, of... But don't forget, the supporting ones, when we talk about Oscars, are the ones that throw you a little bit of a curveball. 
right? Yeah. The year that everybody thought Eddie Murphy was going to win and he didn't. Dream the year, nice. right? Right for Dream yeah. Girls. The year that every, like Mark Rylance came out of nowhere and wanted us supporting, <laughs> you know, Bridges and even when Mahershala. Like a lot of times kind of surprised people with certain awards here or there. Uh, my, my dad was the only critic the year that Marissa Tomei won for my cousin Vinny. And like, nice. she'll, yeah, she'll for, forever show my dad love for that one. Literally the only critic of note to pick her for that. So like the supporting categories you could, are not as always a lock as, as the leads can tend to be. All right, so hopefully there'll be some changes along the way. Screenplays, of course, we'll see what happens. Barbie's in the mix. Maybe that's the award that Barbie gets. Do you think it's original or adapted? That's a fun debate to have. I think it's original. I don't think it's adapted. I think it's original. Apatow, furious about it. I feel like it's adapted. It's adapted from a toy. Like, it's adapted from the world of Barbie and Ken. These are characters that exist in the intellectual IP of the universe. Like, they, it's not an original lead character. But I'm like, it's not... To me, it was still an original script. Like Barbie and Ken just exist as toys, but this entire world around them is to Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's originality. It wasn't like to me an exist. To me, I think an adapted script. I think of a play. I think of a why a, an, a an, it's an original script that was adapted from a book, adapted from a toy, adapted from a plane, adapted from you know Chris Barbie Cody's and podcast. Ken. Barbie and Ken. It's like multiple characters. Ken. We got the dream house. That's not an original idea. Greta Gerwig was sitting on the beach and was like, oh, dream house. No, that's like a thing that existed, which is the no only thing I like on it. it. Yeah. It's not, it's like, by the way, an incredible art form. Name me another toy movie. I, I did the junket for G.I. Joe. We're not putting on tuxedos to honor Channing Tatum. You know what I mean? <laughs> the only thing so I like, what I, what I really don't like about it is it's, it's hurting Marty winning an Oscar because him and Eric Roth, I think, will be the favorites to win for Adapted. That could be your Killers of the Flower Moon. Nolan gets director, Marty gets screenplay. Now I'm like, that's going to hurt him. Now Greta Gerwig's going to get something. There Barbie. it is. That's yeah. the reason you feel that. There it is. I like <laughs> it. Adnan. Always yeah. ad agenda Adnan. The only good news, though, speaking of agendas, then I, I hope that opens the door for David Hemmingson to win for the holdovers. Previous guest on Cinephiles. Then we could have another Oscar winner here on the pod because I think he might win original. Now you're talking. I think that's that's what how it's going to probably all shake out. Again, Giamatti winning for Best Actor. Uh, he, he's going to win for maybe uh, original and then adapted screenplay for Barbie, I think, is is the play. All right. So the end of the night, I said, OK, it's, it's been a grand night when everyone and you said, Amy, make sure we get a picture together. I'm like, yep, you come over, we get a picture. And, you, and then after searching all night, you go, there's your guy. I go, well, here's your De Niro moment. I go, oh, my God. Again, Ben's eyes to spot him. I'm like, yep. So as he's walking, <laughs> I, I don't want to bother him. You know, I'm not going to tell him about Shaz and his middle name and all the rest of it. I met him seven years ago. I'm like, we don't have time for that. Like, he wants to go home. So all I did was I stuck up my hand. I go, hi, Bob. He smiled, shook my hand, kept walking. And again, what makes it special is that Ben captures the moment. Me just telling the story, who cares? But the fact we have that picture stands for the test of time. There's proof of my second time meeting Robert De Niro. I don't usually do that. I, I don't usually take out my phone or take pictures or like I even got on the plane that night and was like, huh, I should post something. I don't really have much, you know, like I don't really do that. But I know for Adnan, that was a big deal to lock eyes with uh, the Robert De Niro and Cody. It wasn't accosted at the bathroom. It wasn't waiting by the Baja Fresh guacamole. It wasn't waiting at the bar. It was there was no way for De Niro to, to get out of there without walking past Adnan. So what is he supposed to do? Look good. He looks spry. 
He does look spry, man. The guy's 80 years old. Looks fantastic. Chelsea Handler's right. She should have the hots for him. And then on the way out, uh, I did see Kieran Culkin by the way, earlier on. I just said, hey, I loved, it, loved you in succession. And loved your speech when you said, suck it, Pedro. Which he laughed. He winced. He was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. That was bad. But thanks. I'm like, uh-huh. But then Matthew McFadden is walking by. Of course, Tom from succession. Of all the pictures I posted, by the way, the biggest thing people are shocked about is Tom. Like, oh, my God, you saw Tom. I'm like, yeah, he's great. So he's walking out. For those that don't know, he's also very tall, 6'4", British, refined. And I just said, Matthew, I got to praise you for your work in succession. You had one of the funniest lines of history of the, episode, of the season. He goes, oh, what's that? And I go, when you said to Nick Braun, if I get in prison, I'll be sucking ogres. I'll be sucking off ogres for phone cards. And he gives a genuine laugh. Like, He's like, oh, I had trouble saying some of those lines that laughing. I'm like, can I get a selfie? You absolutely may. I'm like, all right, Matthew, make face. One more selfie, me and Tom. I screw up the selfie because it's kind of blurry. I'm like, oh. Christ, who cares? But then as we're walking out, me, Ben, and Josh, another guy wants a picture. I go, I'll take the picture for you. That's the move. You ask somebody else, I'll take the picture for you. Can you repay the favor? Thank you, Matthew. Wonderful. And of course, succession, very busy. Succession, procession. Because we're taping this down Tuesday. Monday night was the Emmys. And Matthew wins again for supporting actress. Sarah Snook wins supporting actress. Kieran Culk wins best actress. So it was an interesting night. For those who don't know, the Critics' Choice Awards, you should watch them. It was the 29th version. Ben's been to half of them. They're on the CW. And uh, who knows? Hopefully we'll read that again next year. Two of the best lines of the night from Chelsea Handler. One, the shout out to Ted Harbert, her ex-boyfriend, who was the president of the E! Channel when I was there. Ted changed my life. I love that man. As does Chelsea. She gave him a lot of love in the speech. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and, and then also, I was just realizing, Adnan, Critics' Choice Awards, uh, not my first connection with pizza in a bag and movies. I once got kicked out of a screening of Biodome with my dad on 103rd and Broadway for trying to sneak in slices of pizza in paper bags. And they kicked <laughs> us out. I'll never forget wolfing down pizza outside, trying to run in to get the beginning of Biodome. So yes, oh, the, the connection is still there. That's the perfect. The food's you know, got to change at the critics. I'm not trying to be a... You know what I mean? But come on, Cody, we got 2,000 of Hollywood's most beautiful people. Adnan's in town for 36 hours. They gave him a, a box of Lunchable. Well, you get to the table, <laughs> Cody, and it's just, I open it up and it's it's meat and a couple of crackers and grapes and cheese. And I don't eat pork, so I didn't want to touch the meat because I go, well, I don't know if it's salami <laughs> or it's pork or it's beef. So I'm like, I can't even touch the meat. So I'm going heavy on cheese. I just I just crushed a bunch of cheese and grapes. And then, you know, no, they got water. No. Can, we get, can we get some wall burgers or something? How about we get yeah. some Fletcher tequila and some wall? Just have it all sponsored by all Wahlbergs, like entrepreneurial oh. endeavors, huh? And by the way, Ben's being sarcastic. A bag of athleisure wear yeah. or something on the way Ben's out. Ben's being sarcastic. When I walked out, there was literally a stand for Ba Fresh. I go, okay, cheese quesadilla. I'll take one of those and a taquito. Thanks. And I do have to give them the shut up for the ice cream. Ben, very healthy, Cody. He doesn't touch the sweets. He's not like you and me. I was like, no, ice cream? I'll take the ice cream. Uh, chocolate cookie dough? Great. That'd be great. Thank you. So there was cream stone creamer. And Seth Rogen was in line for the ice cream. I'm like, yeah, that's right. He's going to go smoke a joint. He's going to eat some ice cream. I'm like, that's my guy right there. They do it right in Vancouver. <laughs> Where was the selfie? You, you, I saw him with Will Ferrell. Have you, you haven't mentioned that one yet. So Will Ferrell, yeah. So there was an actor I saw, Rami. And then I was like, you know what? And Max had texted uh, Brett Oz had texted me. And he was, if you do see Will Ferrell, make sure you drop my name because he, he's a partner of LAFC, which is the, the, the team for which Max works MLS. So Farrell, and they, as Ben said, they count you down. So it's 30 seconds left, commercial break, 20 seconds. And I was like, 
ah, screw it. Ten seconds. Like, let me just let me just jump him. And he's he's sitting there. And I go, hey, well, I just want to say what's up. And he knew who I was. I was stunned. He was like, hey, I know you are. He's like, oh, I love your uh, college football analysis. And I was like, oh my god, thank you so much. And I go, I just want to say, uh, Max brought us a good friend. He's like, oh, I love Max. Max is the best. And I go, quick selfies. Like, sure. And again, the selfie's terrible. There's like lines on it or something. Like, yeah. it's horrible. But I was like, well, again, for the sake of the story, I'm posting it. But he was very nice. Bennett said to me at the start of the night, over under two people that recognize you. I go, I'm going to go the under. I'm going to say maybe one guy knows who I am. And the one was Will Ferrell. So I was right on the under. And John Ortiz, by the way, I got to get a shout out John Ortiz, who was awesome. Previous guest on Cinephile, of course, he was on us a couple weeks ago. He was walking out. I go, oh, John. And he comes back and he's like, hey, hey, I'm Iron Good to see him. I'm like, thanks for coming on the pod. He's like, yeah, I go, I can't believe that was your first podcast. He's like, yeah. I go, dude, you were great. Because did it come across well? I go, your Pacino story is incredible. If I win them both, I'm not coming back. That's that's the line from Carlito's Way, but he told the story. So, anyways, he's like, yeah, I go, I love American Fix. I'm so happy for you. He's like, yeah. And he goes, well, listen, send me the interview. And I go, okay. Um, well, then I said, can I get a picture? He's like, yeah. And I said, hey, send me the interview. I go, well, I, I don't remember. I had your publicist number. He's like, I'll just give you my cell. I'm like, okay, great. Gives me a cell. I text it to him. He's like, yeah. I go, dude, we should go see a baseball game. He's like, yeah, dude, I'd love to see a baseball game with you. A Dodgers game, whatever. I'm like, let's do it. John Ortiz, coolest guy in the room. The best. That's the next level of cinephile. That's how you unlock your next triangle in Zelda. We start <laughs> podcasting from the Dodgers bleachers with you and John Ortiz. Put a little lav mic on you. What do you say, Cody? Huh? It's got to sound. It's got to sound Love better it. than that. Uh, than that audio you guys had with David Sampson talking about the globe. It's got to sound better than that, right? <laughs> One more, Bill Hader, who Allison Turner, Metal Arc's fine guest booker for many, many years, of course, and now is, uh, I believe, with the Ringer. She said for years, Dan Stanzik, my first producer and dear friend, is just like Bill Hader. And I said that's ridiculous. I don't see any sort of connection. And while there, I look outside and I saw Bill Hader. And I go, you know what? He does actually look a little like Stanzik. It's the first time I've ever seen it. Seeing Bill Hader in person, I go, from the side, I was like, is that Stanzik? Is that Stanzik's brother? I'm like, yeah. So I had to go talk to Bill Hader. I go, hey, I just want to say hi. Love Barry. Great show. And I go, I love the fact that you're a huge cinephile. Like, you do, a, you do a comedic show. People know you for your impressions. But, like, you love Martin Scorsese. Like, you love these old movies. You love TCM. He's like, oh, yeah, thank you so much for saying that. Quick picture? Of course. Great. Where's Henry Winkler? Oh, he's over there. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go see Henry. Henry Winkler, the only one I froze on, Ben. I, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it's Henry Winkler. It's the Fonz. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was like, you didn't go I was to paralyzed. Him? By the I way, do it. all it's so funny. Out of all the people you yeah. mentioned tonight, he's yeah. probably the most approachable, most accessible, nicest person. <laughs> funny story: the first house party I ever went to when I moved to LA, I was 23, fresh off the boat. It was at Henry Winkler's family's home, and he opened the door and was like, I heard you're new in town. Nice to meet you. You have to try my pasta. Talk to me the whole night. It was. It could not have been a nicer. Show me skiing photos of the family. Like, it was so wonderful. So he's the best. Yeah, but I he was too starstruck for Henry Winkler. Too starstruck for Henry Winkler. I would just have him reenact lines from Arrested Development, which his character so was one of the funniest characters so ever. Good. Uh, all right, closing thoughts, Critics' Choice Awards. We then went for dinner, you, me, and Horvitz. We didn't go to In-N-Out. We went and actually had a nice meal. And we had to go to the airport. I had to help you with their clubs. The ailing back. I'm like, God, it was... I, Yo, I, I'm, I'm that, just really honestly, Adnan, it was so kind of you. I, honestly, I'm forever grateful. Just dropping me off at Delta, making sure I could take my golf clubs, which I brought all the way to Los Angeles and didn't use because I sneezed on the way to the course. But you were my caddy at LAX. Very grateful for that. Uh, but the critics there was, always... There was, there was a 40% chance I was taking those clubs to Jersey. Like, your, your check-in was going to be closed. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to take these clubs. My wife's like, I know you golf. I'm like, oh, I hate golf. It's Ben's clubs. You'll pick them up next week. Okay, no problem. And, uh, no, but look, the critics sometimes get a lot, of, a lot of flack for not being the Globes, not because they have pizza in a bag and Lunchables and all that stuff. But in terms of prognosticating the Oscars, picking the Oscars, who's going to win Best Actor, they always seem to get it right. So I am proud to be a part of that group as we do seem to have our pulse on uh, you know, what's really happening in the world of cinephiles.
No, it's a great point. The amount of text that I got, like, where are you? What is the Critics' Choice Awards? Like, what? And I'm like, it's been around for a long time, but it is historically the greatest predictor of the Academy Awards. So you're right. If you look at those award winners and say who's going to win, there's a reason why those people are now anointed as favorites. So that's great news for Giamatti, Emma Stone, obviously Christopher Nolan, all the rest of it. Uh, Horowitz was great, by the way. He said... Uh, he did talk to Christopher Nolan. Christopher, he was talking fast and furious, I think, with Christopher Nolan. So Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah, apparently elite. Christopher yeah. Nolan, big Tokyo Drift guy, huh? Who yeah, knew? Yeah, that's what Outside he said. He, goes, he was talking there. Yeah, he was talking fast and furious, and he said his favorite fast and furious one is Tokyo Drift. So I, I like when Tyrese I like when Tyrese goes to space. <laughs> Everyone's got a different version of their favorite uh favorite fast and furious. The great bed lines. Thanks as always, dude. This was awesome to catch up and hopefully we'll do more here during award season, our favorite season, to quote Shit's Creek. Fellas, great to see you both. Go Blue! Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so a couple ones that I, I didn't uh, remember. Now I'm going through my phone on the selfies. Um, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling literally had security around them. It was unbelievable. Because my wife said, you got to get it. I go, I can't. I go, and trust me, Gosling is from London, Ontario. So I will use the Canadian car on him immediately. But I'm like, I can't. And by the way, he was also the best looking guy there. Because I saw when he walked in and I'm like, like th there was almost like a halo around this guy. I'm like, man, he is good looking. And I mean, he's wearing like a white suit. I'm like, like Ryan Gosling has done well for a guy from London, Ontario. He has done very well for himself. And when he walked in, he was fairly chill, but like you could feel the surge of people started to move towards him. And he'd like two big security guys like, no, get the F out of the way. Let Ryan get to his chair. And Margot Robbie, similarly, when I was after I got Will Ferrell and Rami and I looked over and I swear the security guard almost like he wasn't eyeing me down, but it was like making it clear like if you try to make a move, like I'm just gonna say I interviewed Margot seven years ago. I Tanya, big fan, but don't worry, I will I will I will respect the space. So those were the probably the two biggest stars I would say. I mean, Harrison Ford's a big deal as well, but I feel like if I'd gone up to Harrison Ford, he was I, I could have at least said hello. Those two no chance. The other one who was a major star I forgot was Tom Holland. So he was outside, and again, this is for the kids. I go, I don't want to bother, and I could tell. He was talking, I could overhear a bit of the conversation and sound like his brother and like three friends. He had like a legit posse. And then another Critics' Choice guy sitting and he had the same thought. He goes, I got to get a picture. I go, yeah, I go, I don't, I don't want it to bother him. But I said, my kids love Spider-Man, so I'm going to have to do this. So I walked over, one guy got a picture and I, I didn't even think we said hello. I was like, hey, Tom, my kids love Spider-Man. I'm sorry, I got to do this. I'm like, yeah, boom, got a picture. So Tom Holland was cool. Most of these guys, same height as me, but very skinny. Like he's like, I got to lose 60 pounds if I want to be Tom Holland. And the last one, and in many ways, my favorite one was Jack Fisk. Jack Fisk is the production designer from Killers of Fireman, who we had on the podcast. So at the end of the night, right before I saw Bob and shook his hand, 
I just saw him there. I go, I got a doctor. I go, hey, Jack, my name is Adnan Burk. I interviewed my podcast in a file. You were awesome. He's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I got a picture. I'm like, yeah. And after his bed's laughing, he's like, you're the only guy who asked Jack Fisk for his help. I go, whatever. That's fine. I go, five years ago, I, I accosted Paul Schrader. We had a great moment as well. But Jack was great. I said, hey, man, it's an incredible movie. I've seen it three times. He's like, I wish we'd done a little better tonight. I'm like, hey, whatever, man. Critics' Choice Awards. Who cares? But that is that is the downside. Like, I've never been nominated for anything. As you know, I've never won an Emmy. Would like to. I'd like to be nominated for one, one day. But I'm like, it is an interesting feeling. You get dressed up, you go there, and then your movie, which you slaved over, doesn't get anything. That's tough. Like Lily Gladstone, they're like, oh, she'll win Best Actress. But then she lost. I'm like, oh, jeez. I wouldn't want to go to anything if I'm not going to win. I'm like, I, you, you go home kind of angry, get annoyed, definitely. So it was just good to see Jack. And uh, I should have said hi to Dave Hemmings, and I realized afterwards, I'm like, oh, the holdover's right, or I should just go up to him. Okay, I had you on the pod, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But that's really all it is. It's just 10 seconds in and out, and uh, a lot of fun. And like I said, hopefully good content. And uh, I mean, if you do the bill on this, Wait, the flight's probably 560, aisle seat 102, 650. The hotel 275, which I barely stayed at. And I told Brett Oss, after Max met, I go, I really should just sit on your couch. I don't know why I didn't just ask you to stay on your couch. So if I do this again next year, I'm staying on someone's couch, and then I'll just ask Bimmel to reimburse for the flight. I'll be like, listen, can you just 500 bucks for the flight? I think that's fair. I'll pay my own food. Ben will pick me up. Rogowski met me for a breakfast burrito at the place called The Whale, walked along Venice Beach. It was awesome. But Rosilla Wojbomb, I mean, that was... Do you I mean, imagine you, you do can't... that to me? If I text you, if I text you, Chris, and, and I hadn't seen you in five years, let's say the file ends tomorrow. We don't see each other for five years. And I go, Chris, I'm in town. What's up? And if you wrote back, not even like my dad's over, my brother's over. If you said, uh, we need we need a good comp here. If you, like Eduardo Perez is here, like what? Like I'm friends with Eddie, but guy, he wanted to talk baseball, be Marlins baseball. How often does Woj come over? That's what I need to know here. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. If it, if it rarely happens, then I guess it's a special event. So clearly, I'm. I would agree with you. I'm, I'm losing in terms of currency to Woj, but I'm like, hey, he couldn't be like, Woj is coming over, but, but, but what's your schedule like tomorrow morning? I, I think you would do that. I think if I text you, Cody, I'm in town 36 hours, and you go, oh, man, I got plans tonight, but, but how about a breakfast tomorrow? Are you around? Like, like Brett Oss is like, Rogowski's like that. Like, I'll come to your hotel, 10 a.m., breakfast. Oh, no, you. we're linking Max, up for sure. We're sh for yeah, sure. Exactly. I'll, I'll go for a run along Venice Beach. I'll meet you at some point. Well, let's just uh, Rogowski, he's a man. She was like, I'll drop you off at the airport. I'll save you a few bucks. I go, you know what? Ben's going to get me to the airport, but thank you. And I was like, yeah, that, that's good thinking. Anyways, it was an awesome night. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun experience. But um, think of all the selfies you've taken in your time. Like, when people meet you, meet the Levitard family, you're always good with taking a selfie, right? You've never turned anyone down for a selfie. I have never. And that's why when I said the gross thing earlier, it's because I have been asked for selfies before. And I always just imagine if someone came up to me and was like, hey, man, I, I just listened to you on six different podcasts, I'd be like, whoa. So that was the only part that I was just like. <laughs> but then you, you are right, though. Like, once you settled in, you, you had the perfect notes for Giamatti. Like, it might have been a little right. aggressive first thing being like, I've heard you on seven podcasts. That was the only thing I was like a little taken aback by. But you're right. Once you got him in the conversation, you were hitting all the right notes. Yeah. I just think, and this is the key with all human interaction. The devil is in the details. The more specific, the better. If somebody meets me tomorrow and I'm going to and they go, hey, I'm a big fan of your work, but thanks so much, man. But if they say... Your interview with Jack Fisk was terrific. I go, wow, you actually listened to Cinema. I really appreciate that you listened to that. How great is Killers of the Flower Moon? And we're going to have a nice conversation. The one that I get all the time is people go, man, I love when you're in Levitar. So I go, thanks. I go, when they fade you in and out, it's so funny. I go, I never thought after you know, 20 years of work that the, the great claim of my work is you like the fact when someone would mute what I was actually saying on a radio show. Like that's Also, before <laughs> last week, we haven't done that in like four years. So like, right. Exactly. Like, oh, I love I love that they brought that back. I go, yeah, I'm not as crazy about that. I actually like when they let me talk. I'm, I'm not crazy, but when I talk and they fade me in and out. But I'm glad it is funny, you though. enjoyed it's the like bit. On the pod, it's when you're bit. talking and then the fade down, it's hilarious.
Credit to Mike Roddy. He first came up with it. It is a very good bit. All right, let's do a few movies, shall we? Origin, the unspoken system that has shaped America and chronicles how lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions. It's written and directed by Ava DuVernay, who is incredibly talented. You all know her work because of Selma and the 13th, that documentary as well. Uh, she also has done some television and uh, really is a filmmaker that is of note. Her new film is coming out this Friday, and it stars Ingenue Ellis Taylor. She was Academy Award nominated for King Richard played uh, Orsine, uh, Orsine Williams, Orsine Price, can't remember the name, whatever it was. Venus and Williams, Venus and Serena's mom. Uh, she's really good in the movie. And it's an adaptation of a book called Cast, which I'm not familiar with, but it's an excellent book. Speaking of Levitar, we had Jamel Hill on last week. And when Jamel said hello and she saw me, first thing she said, have you seen Origin? I go, I have. It's awesome. I just saw the DVD. She said, yeah, because I love that book too. So I needed to check out this book. Cast is the book that was written by Isabel Wilkerson and Ava DuVernay adapted it. And it's an exploration from a female journalist about the different ways that caste system exists. So she really looks at three different ways. She looks at the caste system in America, and she goes all the way back to when the African-American experience began off of slave ships. She looks at the Holocaust. She looks at a, a German soldier in love with a Jewish woman. And she also looks at India, which has a very famed caste system in mean, 27 different castes. And literally, depending on where you were born, that depends on where you slot into society, which is a tough way to live if you're not a part of the top caste. Um, but it's a powerful piece of work. It's always interesting with adaptations like this. If you've read the book, do you enjoy the film more or less? I have not read the book, but I now look forward to reading the book. And it's excellent all the way around. It has a terrific cast. I mentioned Angela Ellis Taylor, her husband, played by John Bernthal, who's speaking of Dreamy. My wife got a selfie with one time at the Sopranos uh, premiere. Uh, Nisi Nash is also in it. She's very good. I believe she just won an Emmy Award, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't really watching the Emmys, I'll be honest. I was locked into my Eagles with this debacle continues after 10 and 1 start, 1 and 7 finish. But I would flip over once in a while to see what's happening. And of course, the succession procession was great, along with more from Jeremy Allen White and the Bear. And uh, Beef. That shows when everything. The three things that have won everything is, is Succession, Beef, and The Bear. So that's that's my TV recap for you. I stick to the movies, but on TV, apparently that show wins everything. And Abbott Elementary. People love Abbott Elementary. Quinton Brunson. Anyways, Nisi Nash won an award last night. I think she was in Dahmer, the Richard Jenkins who I love. But the story is, is really powerful. It, it deals with the tragedy that undergoes in the author's life, Isabel Wilkerson's life, but it's also about her adaptation of this book and how cast exists. At times, a story like this, I thought, might be a little bit heavy-handed, because she's really chewing on a lot of social history. And in terms of books like this with narration, at times it runs the risk of too much exposition. You know, the, the old rule of movies is, is, you know, show, don't tell. And at times, Isabel Wilkerson is talking about the caste system in India, or she's talking about stuff in America, she's talking about stuff in England, and, and she's just telling it, relating it, rather than actually showing it. But it's a, it's a minor quibble, because ultimately I do think the film builds to a crescendo, and I will, I'll give nothing away, because the climax I found to be personally upsetting and, and very um, emotionally hard-hitting. The final 10 minutes specifically, when you look at the way that there's been injustice given to people across the world, you know, dependent upon their race and their religion and their caste, it's uh, it's a really powerful work. It's an example of what a great director Ava DuVernay is. I'm giving it three and a half eight beliefs. It's in theaters this Friday. The one surprise has been how this movie has not gotten any sort of love on the awards circuit. This happens. Like, you you know, Ben and I are so locked into these awards and you see all these nominations coming. Then you go, well, what happened to this one? Like, one of those for me, of course, is the Iron Claw, which I have at number eight on my top 10. It's gotten zero awards buzz. It's not getting nominated for anything. Our old friend Casty Hobbert tweeted me the other day, what about Zach Efron getting nominated for Best Actor? I go, that is not going to happen. Like, there's there are too many people ahead of him. Zach Efron's like 10th on the list. Hopefully our man Giamatti wins, but I've already mentioned DiCaprio might, might, DiCaprio might get snubbed now. SAG Awards, he did not get nominated for Best Actor. Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Jeffrey Wright American Fiction, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, and Kelly Murphy for Oppenheimer and Giamatti. So it's hard, man. It's hard when there's only five nominees. Don't be people have time to watch these movies, but don't be 
swayed by the fact that Origin did not get enough love on the award circuit. I think if you like Ava DuVernay's work, you'll appreciate that this is truly a great film. Laura Babiak of Observer, plenty of movies are important, shining a light on underrepresented people and stories, but few are as revolutionary in scope, form, and purpose as Ava DuVernay's uneven but powerful new film, Origin. Elizabeth Weitzman of Time Out, Wilkerson's book offers a new way to look at age-old concepts. DuVernay's film gives us a new way to process them, and Candace Frederick of Huffington Post, the contents of the book themselves deserve a much closer, more complicated study, perhaps a documentary where these ideas could really breathe would have been more effective. It's a fair point. At times I thought, again, as I said, there's a lot of information that's being given to you. It, it runs the risk of being didactic, but I still thought it was an excellent movie. Couple more for you. Society of the Snow, right? That's available on Netflix. It's got a very good chance of getting nominated for Best International Film, previously known as Best Foreign Film. The flight of a rugby team crashes on a glacier in the Andes. The few passengers who survive the crash find themselves in one of the world's toughest environments to survive. It's co written by J.A. Boyana and also directed by him as well. This is not a new story. Cody, remember the movie Alive? Came out in 1993, very famously about cannibalism. Yes. Basically, there's the... Yeah, so I think most people, as soon as I saw the trailer for this, I go, oh, are they doing Alive? And sure enough, they are. And it's a story about the soccer team, or excuse me, rugby team, what they have to do. So with these movies, I think you're either one of two people. You love these like disaster-type stories, or you're like, what's the hook? Because either they're all going to die, or they're going to survive, but the journey has to be compelling. But the cannibalism alone is a thought. So let's start with that. You're a survivor of this. Where are you at on cannibalism? Well, I think where I'm at sitting in this chair right now talking to you is in a different place than I would be if I found myself <laughs> in this predicament. Um, I feel like I would wait a long time before getting there. I would try to team up and, you know. Hunt a bear? Yeah. You know, that, it would be my last option. But hey, at <laughs> some point it has to be on the table. At one point, one of the characters who feels sick and feels like he's nearing the end, he says to his friend, he's like, hey, you have permission to eat me. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting conversation to have. Imagine you and I are stuck out there and I go, hey, Cody, this isn't looking good. If you need to eat me to survive, you go at it, but, buddy. Like, I'm such an idiot that I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, let's just say in this scenario, you're willing, like you're yeah. a little older than me. So you're like, yeah. I'm dying. Have my, like, you can have my body for your survival. Like, what am I just going to start gnawing at your calf? Like, I don't know, like. What are the parts of you that I should be focusing on? Like the fat, right? Yes, the fatty person. Everyone says you could just start eating ass. Okay. So just like, so, so, so you're dead now and I have to take your shorts <laughs> off and I <laughs> like, and I just have to like bite into your ass. Like, I'm, I'm not going to go the whole, like not to get too in detail, go for like oh, the, the, the flubby part of the ass. Correct. Right. Because that's just going to be soft, start on the cat. gelatinous. Like, just the ass. Like, I don't know the last, like, you know, I, I'm probably going to save the ass for, like, day three. I'm probably going to start with the calf. That's probably, right. like, just picture me with your one leg in the air. Just like, like it's like, <laughs> like it's a big turkey drum. Like, it's like big. It's like you're, it's, it's like you're at medieval times. Yes. And you just, you just snapped off my calf. Like, where's No, you see, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I don't even think I snap it off. I think I have it just attached yeah. to your body. And I'm like, just. And just, just, oh, jeez. It makes me think of Bones and All, which is the film that I love, which most people didn't like. Came out last year. Mark Ruffalo playing a cannibal. And one of the first times that Timothee Chalamet sees me, he's just he's facing and just eating this chick's ass and looks up and like, oh, oh, you caught me. But that that's generally, at least what the movie teaches me, is that you know, you're not there's too many bones, right? The arms are all bones, ribs, whatever. Like, no, no, you gotta go butt, torso, thighs. Those are kind of the spot you're going to. So 
I just thought we had that aside. The point is, if you like these disaster type movies, you'll enjoy the movie. I'm going to give it two and a half Maple Leafs. I'll be honest. I, I was riveted the entire time. It's doing great on Netflix, though. You know, as a guy who appreciates foreign films and documentaries and indie movies, it popped up the other day. I believe it's the number two trending movie on Netflix. Like it's it's being seen. I think it's like five times more people have seen this movie than Maestro, which is a Bradley Cooper Oscar bait type movie, which people are watching, kind of going like, eh, two hours of him playing music and whatever. Like, hey, wait, this is a movie about cannibalism, and they're in the snow, and it's well directed, and it's got these great scene, you know, panoramic shots. People are watching it, so good for Netflix for supporting international films. And again, I don't think it's going to win the best international feature film if that raises the zone of interest in anime, etc. But the cannibalism. It isn't as much as I thought it would be. To be honest, I was like, I mean, they're going to go for it here. They're kind of like, eh. the guy gives him permission to eat him. A couple it's of no bites. Salt burn, snow keeps which I saw. Oh, wait. Okay, well, hang on. Let me quickly go through the side of the snow. Then I want to hear your salt burn review. All right, Carrie Darling, Houston Chronicle. For all its horror, Society of the Snow, based on Pablo Vierci's nonfiction book of the same name, is also a story of friendship, sacrifice, and hope, and that is what lingers after the film's nightmares have receded into memory. Ryan Latanzio, while Society of the Snow's heart may be in the right place, it's the individual souls of the people in it that appear to be missing. And Mark Olson of LA Times, a retelling that finds in the material more than just a simple tale of the perseverance of the human spirit. You might like it. You might love it. It's called Society of the Snow, and it's available on Netflix. By the way, speaking of Oscars, Oscar nominations coming out next week. So next week's episode's a big one, as we're going to be recapping the Oscar nominations. We've done the Golden Globes with Samson. We've done the Critics' Choice of Ben. Next week, we are going to do the Oscars. Chris Cody on Saltburn. All yours. Oh, I mean, memorable, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaning towards the camp of you. Uh, not a big, nice. I, it's not something I'm going to go back to. It's something I have Good. recommended though to other friends because I think hmm. it's just an, it's just a different movie. And I love the journey it takes you on. Cause it kind of builds up towards like, you know, sexual, it's got like a sexual feel to it. And you think you're heading in a direction that, Oh, this might be good. I like sexual stuff like, uh, and then it just throws a curveball, and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? And then yeah. you kind of, and, and then it kind of just goes back and then it kind of like forgets like this, that crazy thing that you just saw, forget about that. We're going back to being a normal movie. And then it kind of gets you back into like, okay, I'm watching the movie again. I feel like I forgot about that really weird thing that happened. All right, this is good. Maybe that was just a one-time thing. And then something else really weird happens. And you're like, holy shit, this is the weird. So I felt like it was just a back and forth of this is kind of a normal movie, sexual tones. You you like this. You're going to like what we show you. And then you don't like it. And then they kind of like, it was just like a, a, a rinse repeat of setting me up for something jarring. Jarring is a good word. Shocking for shock's sake. Exploitative, one might say. Yes. Just or, or gross, to use your word, actually, at times. I just thought it was a gross by the time movie. We I, mean, got to, I don't want to ruin anything. But by the time we got okay. to, I'll just say, I'm going to use a general term, the grave yeah. site. By the time we got oh. to the grave site, I was, I, I, my senses had already been blown away so much that that wasn't even shocking to me anymore. I was just like, I know what this movie's doing now. Like that, I'm not even that right. shocked by this at this point. If that would have been the first scene, it would have been earth shattering. But I had already seen yeah. multiple weird things that I'm like, this movie's just going for stuff. 100%. It's definitely going for stuff without much memorable, substance, though. at least for my instance. Memorable. But it is memorable. It is taking chances. So I'll give it that. It's got aggressiveness and a certain style to it, but I just thought it was terrible. What do you think of the ending, the last minute? Like that's just. It's. It's. I didn't, I didn't need a minute of that. No. You can give me five seconds. No. Like I got it. <laughs> exactly. 
And that's the problem with this movie. Give me five seconds. I'm like, okay, I know what you're going for, but you don't need to give me a minute just shoving my face in it. You know, Scott Spelling, my buddy, made a very good point because I think, because he's found people talking about it. He goes, the women really like it. He goes, I think it's more of a female-oriented movie. He goes, I've, I've heard couples watching it and guys are kind of like, nah, it's nonsense with the exception of Mike Ryan, but women are really enjoying it. So maybe this is one of those movies that just isn't as geared towards to your point. My wife was super excited afterwards to like tell all her friends that she saw it and like, it's crazy. You yeah. got to see it. It's, it's like my wife was more into yeah. it than I was. So maybe that's uh, more of a female oriented film that happens. All right. Uh, one more for you here. Cinderella, man. That's our old movie this week. I wanted to mention it just because I'm on such a, a Giamatti high right now. So he's only ever been nominated for an Academy Award once. Hopefully next Tuesday that changes. He gets nominated for Best Actor for the Holdovers and then ends up winning. But the one time he was nominated for an Academy Award is for Supporting Actor of Cinderella Man. And that's one of those movies that I think has been misunderstood over the years. You know, people might think it's manipulative or predictable, but I think it's one of the best films of Ron Howard's career. And it was shot in Toronto. I had buddies who worked on it who said Giamatti was great. They said he would come over, have donuts, crack jokes. He was awesome. I said, how was Russell Crowe? They go, he was okay because it wasn't rude, but he, a little more of a movie star. Like he'd show up. He's, he would ride the bike a lot. He'd ride the bike to the set. Hey, guys, how are you? And boom, Russell Crowe's doing his thing. Whereas, like, you know, Giamatti's he's man of the people. Like, I can totally see that. Um, it's the story of the true Cinderella man, which, by the way, I used to work with Jeremy Schapp at ESPN. So he wrote the book called Cinderella Man, which is a story of James J. Braddock, a supposedly washed up boxer who came back to challenge the heavyweight championship of the world. I know Giamatti put it well when he was promoting the movie. He goes, well, who would want to see a movie but a guy who gets his ass kicked? And then he finally does some ass kicking himself. I thought Crow was terrific in the lead role as Jim Braddock. He's so committed to the role. The scene where he has to go around and literally beg for money for his family so that they can keep the heat on is as good as acting you'll ever see in Russell Crowe's career. Renee Zellweger plays his wife. She's very good playing Mae Braddock. And Craig Bierko, who I know my buddy Mike Kiss doesn't like the the portrayal of Max Baer. He feels like it's a little bit too one-sided. It isn't accurate in terms of history, which I'll allow because it's not a documentary. It's a feature film while it's still acknowledging his criticism of it. But it's still a really good cast all the way around. And then, of course, let's get to our boy Giamatti. So he plays Joe Gould, who is Russell Crowe's trainer. And for the movie, he got to work with Angelo Dundee, Muhammad Ali's legendary trainer. So he said Dundee was awesome. He actually taught him how to properly wrap a, um, a boxer's hands and you know certain verbiage to use and that kind of stuff. And I can't remember the review now, but he said, Giamatti plays the role of the perfect mix of pep and desperation. And, you know, part of the movie is just, you're just yelling at the boxer, like, come on, kill him, go get him. But Giamatti does it with a certain amount of gusto, which is just fantastic. And the scene that's really riveting is that Renee Zellweger wants to give him, give it to him, right? She thinks he's rich. She thinks he's profiting off of her husband. And she goes to his house, let me in, let me in, let me in. And he opens the door. He's got, like, you know, a nice three-piece suit on, and there's nothing there. No furniture, nothing. You know, she has that look of recognition, like, oh, my God, I thought. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, well, that's part, of the, that's part of the trick. Everybody there in that Great Depression is not doing well, even Joe Gould, the manager. And yet they're trying to keep up this appearance that things are going to work out. Are they going to work out? Nobody knows. But the point is it's appearance versus reality, and they're trying to stay alive as hard as it may be. But he's got some great scenes in there. When Giamatti's talking to Russell Crowe about the approach, he says, pop, pop, bang. Hit him with the two lefts. Pop, pop, bang. They use that in the trailer. It's great. You know, he has a big upset victory. And afterwards, he's like, oh, buddy, it was great to see you like that. One more fight. And then, of course, the, the climactic fight against Max Bear is amazing. When Russell Crowe wins, the way Giamatti jumps in his arms, he kisses him on the cheek and goes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's a great moment, man. They kept the shot of the priest. Priest is looking up, thanking God. You got the shot of the kids jumping up and down. Renee Zellweger, McClempt. 
it's not a film that perhaps works for everybody. Maybe some people find it a little bit too sentimental, but I think it's a great boxing movie, and I think it's really underappreciated over the years. Sarah Michelle Fetters of MovieFreak.com. Howard unleashes one of his best directorial jobs to date, refusing to slobber on either syrup or sentimentality as the picture progresses. Everything here feels honest and genuine. The movie lived in to the point of having to pay rent. And one more, Stephanie Zakarik of Salon.com. Cinderella Man is a movie about the indomitability of the American spirit. And those are always far less interesting than movies about actual people. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. Uh, this does it for Cinephile this week. Once again, thanks to my man, Ben Lines. I am Ben Lines, as always. You can check him out uh, on Cinephile on Instagram. Always a fun listen. And uh, again, I own everything for getting this, this podcast to where it is right now. We will continue next week. Big episode next week. Mondays, Cody is busy because of NFL coverage, although our Dolphins and Eagles both done. But Tuesday morning, next Tuesday morning, the Oscar nominations come out. So we're going to have to record this Tuesday morning-ish, whatever, and we'll get the pot out that day. Immediate Oscar reaction uh, for the nominations are coming out next week. As Ben said, there's always a couple of surprises. You think you know? SAG Awards already came out, so I think I know. But other 20 nominations, there's always a couple of surprises, so we shall wait and see. But it looks like Oppenheimer is going to be an unstoppable train. They're going to get double-digit nominations at least. Thanks as always to Chris Cody. Thank you for the team. Please go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. And I'll see you at the movies. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.